Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Locked On Red Wings podcast. Today is Monday, September 21st, 2020, and I am your host, Detroit sports writer Noel Bianchi. Today, we've got uh, some more draft profiles for you guys. We're looking at Martin Kromiak today, Ozzy Weisblatt tomorrow. For both of them, we are joined by Steve Kornianos of thedraftanalyst.com. He's a host of the Draft Analyst Podcast, prepared one of the most comprehensive uh, NHL draft guides. So go to thedraftanalyst.com, check that out. You can also follow him on Twitter at the Draft Analyst. Uh, so yeah, we're going to be looking at a couple more second round targets for the Red Wings in these next couple days. We're going to be taking a look at some more American uh, or USNTDP guys uh, next week with Pete Krupski. Uh, We've got three more of those, and then we're going to start digging back into more of those targets that the Red Wings could be looking at with the fourth overall pick. Now, we had Tony Ferrari from Dauber Prospects on a couple of, uh, about a month ago now. We we looked at Lucas Raymond, Cole Perfetti, Marco Rossi, and Jamie Drysdale. We talked uh, last week with Pete Krupski on Jake Sanderson. Uh, So go check all those out, and I I think upcoming, I'm not sure who we're going to have on to go through them, but we definitely still have a couple prospects left to tackle that the Red Wings could be taking with that fourth overall pick. You've got Tim Stutzla, Quinton Byfield. Those are unlikely, but boy, would we be happy if they fell into the Red Wings' lap. So we got to take a look at them just on the off chance that it's uh, that October 6th turns out to be the biggest day of our lives. We're going to have to look at Yaroslav Askarov. He's been having a hell of a start to the KHL season. He's going to be in that conversation for number you know top five overall. I don't see him obviously getting picked before the Red Wings at four. I really don't see him getting picked by the Red Wings at four uh, in in really any scenario, but the truth is he looks like a world-class goaltending prospect and worthy of a top five selection, so we're going to take a look at him. Uh, We also have to look at Alexander Holtz uh, and Anton Lundell. I think that's going to round out the the prospect coverage for that, you know, potential fourth overall pick. We're not even going to look at Alexi Lafreniere because, you know, why would we do that? Just a ways of an episode. So be on the lookout for those five guys coming up. Go check out our previous episodes with Tony Ferrari, with Pete Krupski, with uh, Tony Woolock from thehockeywriters.com where we go over some more second-round prospects uh, after the, or with him. And then to just kind of take you through the rest of the week so you got a good idea of what the schedule is going to look like, we're going to be talking with uh, our old friend Kyle Demetrius from Lockdown Sharks on Wednesday, going to dance on the graves of the New York Islanders and the uh, Vegas Golden Knights. Thursday, we're going to be looking back at the career of Jimmy Howard. We didn't miss that news. We did 
get that news. Uh, we, we're going to talk about Jimmy's career in Detroit, rather Red Wings go from here, and uh, why it hurts to see him go. Jimmy Howard, third uh, most wins as a Red Wings goaltender in the team history. So a prominent place, a prominent figure uh, within the within this organization. We're going to take a look at that. And then Friday, of course, we're going to wrap it up with how do you feel about it Friday. I apologize that this episode was late. I got caught up with a whole bunch of other uh, work on Sunday and Monday. So it's here for you now. You got two prospect profiles if you're listening to this for the first time on Tuesday morning. Go crazy. Rate, review, subscribe. And without further ado, here he is, Steve Cornianos of thedraftanalyst.com. McCarty draws. McCarty in. McCarty All right, well, we are here with Steve Cornianos of thedraftanalyst.com, the Draft Analyst Podcast. You can follow him on Twitter, at the Draft Analyst. but right now we got him on the other end of a Zoom call. We're holding him hostage to talk about two more prospects today. We got Martin Chromiak, right winger out of Kingston in the OHL. Let's, uh, well, let's welcome you back in, Steve. How's, how's it going today? Uh, it's going great. Uh, busy. Uh, I'm doing uh, team individual draft podcasts, one a day. Uh, so doing a lot of research now that the draft guide is done, uh, feel like uh, it's just time to go over each uh, one team by team. So in a way, you're stealing my thunder because we're going to do the Red Wings <laughs> one. Uh, and I'm actually up to the Blackhawks. So I, maybe I got about a week left until I hit the Red Wings because I still have the C's, all those C's to do. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's been busy. We only have, well, they announced that the draft is now on the 6th and 7th of October. That's a Tuesday and a Wednesday. Uh, we don't know what the format's going to be. If they've announced it, I haven't seen it. Uh, but uh, more than likely, it's going to probably be some type of Zoom call, uh, remote, where they're all making the picks. But uh, it's a lot to be excited about, especially if you're a team uh, like the Red Wings, where you're getting a high pick. Yeah, it didn't end up the, – the lottery didn't end up the way we wanted it to end up. Uh, well, I'm a Rangers fan, so it ended up great for me, but – Oh, man. All right. Well, I'll just stop it right here, actually. I didn't know that. Uh, <laughs> sorry, man. Your I'm time. sorry. <laughs> I'm just well, listen, uh, I, I think that um, I wouldn't say it's a critical draft for the Red Wings because they've had a couple of them in the last few years. I, I would hope that this is the last one, right, where they say, all right, you know, we're going to get the fourth overall pick. We're going to mm-hmm. come out with a fantastic player. Uh, have faith in Eisenman because of what he did with Tampa Bay. Uh, that he he knows what he's doing, and uh, but you know I, I'm really impressed with uh, with the way that these teams have uh, really focused in on adapting to the changing nature of the game. Where they're, they're going for the speedy guys, they're going for the smaller guys. Uh, the Red Wings one year will take uh, Mike Rasmussen, and then the next year they take Jonathan Bergeron. I mean, two different types of players. Uh, so uh, again, it's it's a fun time. It's the best time of year for me because all the work has been done. Now it's just a matter of answering questions and, and guessing like everybody else. Well, uh, we don't mean to steal your thunder, but I tell you what, we got a, uh, we got a saying around here with Steve Eisman as the GM of the Detroit Red Wings. It's called Believe in Steve. And I think yeah. that could be a good motto for your podcast. You know, if you want to <laughs> go ahead and steal that, I think we could call it, uh, you know, even Stevens. Yeah, no, you, you should believe in Steve Eisman, that is. Don't believe me. I, I, I just give an opinion, but Eisman's the guy with the track record. Uh, I don't know how much longer he'll have left. He hasn't been on the job that long, uh, but I know that the, the fan, fan base has been patient. You got the new arena. Uh, last year was terrible, and it was, it was humbling uh, for a lot of people in that organization to see the wings 
revert back to really for the first time to, to go all the way back to the early 80 dead things days. And it took Jimmy Devilano to come in with Neil Smith and Krista Rockstrom and his whole staff. Uh, and of course, Mike Illich being the kind of owner that he was uh, to help rebuild it. It definitely helped getting a guy like Steve Eisenman in the draft. But let's not forget that Steve Eisenman was not the first overall pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, so That's what uh, we keep telling ourselves. Yeah, he was not the first <laughs> overall pick. I believe he went third, right, uh, behind, was it LaFontaine and Lemieux? Was that the draft? Was that Stevie Y? Was he? Uh, it was a LaFontaine draft for sure. Yeah. LaFontaine so, was the homegrown boy that everybody thought was going to end up a Red Wing. Yeah, he played for CompuWare. Yeah, I remember. Uh, but um, so I would definitely be positive the – if I would point to one thing uh, that might be concerning is that what, what do you do now with the Chalowskis and the Rasmussen's? Yeah. Are you going to let them marinate yeah. a little bit more? Are you going to give them uh, another shot? Uh, they hit a home run with Hironek. It looks like they hit a home run with Zadina. Uh, they have a, obviously Dylan Lawkins, the franchise. Uh, Moritz Sider had a fantastic season in the AHL. We all poo-pooed the pick because of where he went, but uh, listen, the kid delivered, and he does have number one upside. And then they got this other Finnish kid, uh, Antti Tuomisto, uh, who I think is coming over to play college hockey because he's uh, he was in the Finnish yep. junior leagues. Uh, he's a pretty good prospect too. So there's a lot of good stuff going on prospect-wise, but wh- what what do the Red Wings do? Remember, Eisman was not on board when Chalowski was picked and when Rasmussen was picked. It's uh, and yeah, so, uh, yeah, exactly. Such a club's another one. So we'll have to wait and see. Uh, but, uh, you know, this is, this is what, what sucks about a rebuild, whether it's two years or five years. You start to become uh, in love with the prospects, and after a while you're like, all right, you know what, I don't know what the freaking prospects. Can we please get some plays here and yeah. <laughs> make this team competitive? We'll get back to our interview with Steve Cornianos in just a second. But first, I got to talk to you guys today about Built Bar. Built Bar is the most delicious tasting protein bar on the market. It is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. And now, with six more new delicious flavors, their product is even better than ever before. We've talked about them on this podcast for a long time. I myself am a longtime user of the Built Built Bar even before we even started doing this podcast. The math is simple. You get 18 to 20 grams of protein less than 200 calories, most of the time less than 150 calories uh, in every bar, only 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs. You just can't beat that uh, with any other protein bar on the market. It's high fiber, high protein, low sugar, low calorie. It's great for the keto diet if you're into that kind of thing. Uh, And the best part is right now when you go to BuiltBar.com and use our promo code LOCKEDON, You'll get $10 off of your next order. It doesn't have to be your first order. You don't have to be trying it out. They've given $10 off to everybody, newcomers, uh, day ones, whoever it may be. Just use the promo code LOCKDOWN at BuiltBar.com to get that $10 off. Once again, that promo code is LOCKDOWN for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. Fortunately, the upside for me is that this is the first rebuild that I've ever witnessed as a Detroit Red Wings fan. So I guess I have that to uh, keep reminding myself yeah. of. Uh, but let's start with Martin Kromiak, the right winger out of Kingston. Uh, 28 games played, 11 goals, 22 assists in the OHL. Uh, what do you make of his game? What, what's a good way to summarize Martin Kromiak? Well, he's a, he's a, a very highly skilled winger. Uh, he's, a, he's a pure right wing. He's a right shot, 
And he, his, similar, his situation is similar to Meshach, except it wasn't in the Czech Republic. It was in Slovakia. That he played in the Slovakian Extra League, the elite league there, and was getting, not regular minutes, but he was you know, contributing as a depth bottom six kind of a player. And then he went to the, uh, I, don't, I don't know if he made the World Junior Team, but I know that he went to the U25, or the U18 Five Nations. We call it the Christmas Five Nations because it takes place around the same time as the uh, World Juniors. And I, I'm pretty sure he had a strong tournament there. And then once that ended, he did just like Misak. He, the tournament ended and he came over to uh, the Canadian Hockey League and played for Kingston in the OHL. So basically, Mishak went to Hamilton. Uh, Chromiak went to Kingston. The thing about Chromiak, though, is he went to Kingston, and he automatically slotted in on their top line with this kid named Shane Wright, who's potentially the first overall pick in, I believe, 2022. Uh, so, uh, you know, Shane Wright is a fantastic offensive force. He's only 16 years old. And here comes Chromiak to play with him. Uh, I never got the sense that Chromiak was benefiting from strictly from playing with Wright. I felt like it was pretty symbiotic relationship where one fed off the other and vice versa. Nice. And uh, that Chromiak definitely was more of a pass-first guy because there was another winger on that, on that line called Zade Wisdom. Uh, not a great skater, but a lot of fancy finishing and a finisher. So uh, Wright as a center could finish, Wisdom can finish, and I think Chromiak decided, you know what, I'm a really good setup guy. I got great vision. And so that's what he was doing. He was feeding pucks, feeding pucks like crazy. And his passes can be of the very uh, the, the, the high-level fancy variety, which also means that they could be of the dangerous variety. Uh, but uh, I would put him as a, not a purely offensive first winger because he does kill penalties, albeit with mixed results. I think when a, when a young kid is killing penalties, that means that the coach – is trusting him. It doesn't mean that he's going to be out there to you know, solve the world's problems and be a guy like Patrice Bergeron or Pavel Datsuk. But as, as a young kid, it's familiarity, right? So you're letting the kid understand what it's like, where he needs to be positioned, and just keep learning and learning and learning. So by the time he's 21 or 22, he knows exactly how to react. He knows how to keep his stick active uh, and not go chasing around while on the PK. So uh, skating is very good, above average speed. He could be a threat and open nice, makes great decisions. He's got a really good shot. So uh, in two-on-one and three-on-two situations, the defenseman and the goalie on his side have to respect the shot. And what that does, it causes problems with them because it makes him indecisive. Is he going to shoot? Is he going to pass? We don't know. And I think the older he gets, uh, you'll see him uh, be able to put a better touch on his passes. Not that he needs to right now because he has a pretty uh, nice set of hands on him. So uh, some people think he's close to the first round. I agree with that. I got him in the 70s only because of the, the, the level of quality or the, the depth of wingers in this particular draft. So I got him ranked around there. But, uh, you know, he's, he's going to be there somewhere in the second or third round. Uh, he's familiar with North American style. Like I said, he, so if you draft him, you don't have to worry about him bolting back to his, uh, his country, that he can stay uh, return to the CHL whenever that happens. And then because he's European, he can go right to the AHL and perform there. So I, I like, I like uh, Chromiak. I would say he's the top Slovakian forward from uh, uh, this, for this draft, but it's not that deep of a class. So he's still pretty good, though. So he's known for his overall uh, hockey IQ and his offensive instincts. Like, how does that show itself in his game? 
uh, no look passes, uh, timing plays, uh, executing given goes, little things like that. Uh, hockey IQ is a, a lot of layers to it. And a big layer is the anticipation and the reads, right? Uh, guessing where the puck's going to end up. Uh, on the high, high, high level of that, we see it in a guy like, let's say, Connor McDavid or Nikita Kucherov or, uh, you know, going even back further, Wayne Gretzky is obviously the gold standard when it comes to hockey IQ. When it comes to passing and playmaking, though, it's uh, identifying multiple options, right? Where you have the puck on your stick. Let's say he has the puck on his stick in the uh, left circle, right? So he's a right shot. He's in the left circle. He's got his head up. Uh, he's surveying the ice. It's almost like a quarterback, right? Where like a Peyton Manning-style quarterback or a Tom Brady, uh, where, or, you know, Pat Mahomes, where, where you could look off and throw a dart while everybody else is leading the other way. So uh, that's the one thing about Chromiak that I like is that whether he played on the junior level, at the OHL level, or in the Slovak extra legal level, he was able to make some pretty difficult passes that fooled the opposition. And that ties into hockey sense. So, uh, again, the riskiness uh, has a downside to it because eventually if you start to deliver no-look passes or bank passes or no through the legs, things like that, eventually – Either your coach is going to be like, hey, man, clean that up. I don't want to see it anymore. Or the other team is going to be privy to it and, you know, force you into a turnover. So uh, I, I like Chromiak, though. A couple of people I know got him in the first round. I got no problem with it. And, uh, you know, he's definitely got some high-scoring point potential. I, I would say the only, uh, you know, uh, issue would be maybe just to get stronger, uh, increase his compete level, get sturdier on his skates. Uh, but as of right now, he looks like a pretty polished prospect at his age. Does his strength give you pause at all? I mean, six foot, 179 pounds. Still a bit on the young side, though. I mean, I mean, how, what, what are your thoughts on that? No, nah, he'll be fine. I mean, if you're six foot, one, 175, 180, and th- these are measurements that were taken way back when, uh, when Central Scouting did their final measurements. I think it was April or March. So there's always the chance that he could have probably maybe grown another half inch. He could have filled out a little bit more. Uh, so I, I don't, you know, usually you want – your, your wingers specifically to have really good balance, right? You want them to be able to absorb a hit and to get a shot off in traffic uh, or make a play in traffic without worrying about them getting like sneezed on and knocked off the puck. Uh, so uh, he's got some shiftiness to him. He's a good skater, like I said. He can play inside. He doesn't mind going uh, amongst the trees and uh, maybe run the risk of getting a, a pretty hard shot come towards his way. But uh, like I said, it, Things like that, it's just the, the OHL was not as physical this year as I thought it was going to be. It was, it was almost like a Matador defense abounded. It was crazy how, <laughs> how much room they were affording these kids. Uh, and I don't know if that was for the coaching staff or the, the league, or your conspiracy theorists. The league said, hey, we got to attract fans. Uh, you know, don't stand up in the line. Let, let the kids at the post stand around. <laughs> Goal scoring, you know. I'm trying to sell tickets here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I can't explain it. I mean, it, it was a 25-year spike, a 25-year high. It went from, I think, the average was maybe 6.71 goals a game combined. So you're looking at each team scoring about three and a half goals a game to almost eight goals a game, a full Jeez. goal a game more. Yeah. So you, have, you had a ton of like 11-9 and 8-6 games. And uh, that's not the OHL that I grew up on. Uh, usually people say that the WHL – is like that, and the Quebec League is the high-flying league. And that's actually what triggered my interest in, in, in figuring out what was going on is because people were saying, well, I'm going to take Byfield over Lafreniere because 
Byfield plays in the tougher league and it's tougher to score in, in the OHL. I'm like, I don't know, man. The, oh, the Quebec League games I'm watching is a 2-1 and 2-2 game, 3-2. The <laughs> games are 9-7. And then I dug deep and uh, I, I put it uh, – I posted it on, on Twitter that I, I went through every single junior league. And the, the lowest scoring junior league was the MHL in Russia. It was like 5.42 goals a game. And then the highest was the Ontario Hockey League at like almost eight goals a game. So uh, that might be a little bit of an adjustment that when Chromiak gets to the AHL, uh, he's going to have to get used to the fact that he's going to go from having five to 15 scoring opportunities a game or uh, five to 10 opportunities to set up a scoring opportunity to maybe only two or three. And that, that's really all about maximizing your window of opportunity, which is what gets kids promoted and what, what gets kids demoted. And uh, well, time will tell what he becomes. So he's still a young man turning – or turned 18 in August. Yeah. Um, do you still see the benefit or do you see the benefits in drafting a player who's essentially a year younger than most of the other players in his draft class? Not, I used to, not as much as I used to. Uh, and I, I've tried to, to go back and look at the data and uh, for later round picks, maybe after the second round, I would say, yeah, why not? I mean, it's an added bonus. If you want to call it getting an extra year development, However, with the top play is, it's irrelevant. Uh, and that's because John Tavares was a late birthday. Alex Ovechkin was a late birthday. I mean, if, if you had the argument, uh, a great example is Malkin Ovechkin, where you had two elite players playing in the same league on the same team. I mean, everything was pretty much even. They were both considered big and strong. Uh, they were both considered elite scoring talents. But Ovechkin was, I think, born in October – of uh, whatever his birth year was. And Malcolm was born, I believe, in April or May or maybe even June. So uh, people back then might have used that, well, I don't know, Malkin isn't too far off him, but he's got that extra yeah. year. So maybe when Malkin turns 19, yeah. he'll be as good as Ovechkin. Well, well what's Ovechkin doing when he, he turns 20? Ovechkin's like, oh, I'm old. I need a cane. Uh, I'm 20 now. Uh, the young guy caught up to me. I can't progress. No, it doesn't happen that way. Uh, so, uh, and if you did that redraft 8,000 times, as much as I love Malkin and he's a fantastic player in a future hall of famer, Ovechkin is a generational once in a lifetime kind of a guy. So, uh, it's a slippery slope. If you're going to point towards age, the Byfield Lafreniere thing, I, I think it's valid to to an extent because he's a center and he might grow another inch and he could, uh, you know, uh, but what is Lafreniere doing in his, so in terms of Chromiak, uh, Maybe it has an impact in terms of his contract. Uh, he'll become a, let's say if he makes the NHL uh, quick, and let's say within two years, then what, what t comes into play is that uh, he, he can't hit honor free agency until he turns 27. So maybe it gives you a little bit more flexibility. Unless, of course, he plays, uh, what is it, six full seasons or seven full seasons. Uh, then he'll be UFA eligible. I don't know. I mean, uh, it, it, unless you feel like a kid hasn't really developed yet, uh, then that might come into play. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, the Chromiak played against men. He looked fine. I never got the sense that uh, being on the younger side, uh, let's say an August birthday, was like, well, uh, you know, if he was born in January, he, he, he would have, you know, finished that two-on-one. You know, I, I, don't, I don't really think that way. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but I, I, I definitely think it's part of the discussion. I don't think that it's a deal breaker. I don't think that teams would be like, well, uh, look at Quinn Hughes and Adam Buquist. I, I ranked Buquist ahead of yeah. Quinn Hughes. 
and uh, it had nothing to do with age. It was the fact that I, I, I watched them both play, and I said, you know what? Uh, you know, Buquist, I think, has the higher potential. Uh, so Buquist, I think, went eight, and Hughes went seven. And obviously, Hughes has been the better player. He's had a better career thus far. But that doesn't mean that Buquist can't eventually reach him. You know what I mean? Like, you got to give the kid time. Some guys take a little bit longer to develop. So uh, uh, I understand why people like to bring it up. Uh, for me, it's what's important about it is, is I guess, like physical, actual growth. Can he add another inch? Can he add another two inches? Uh, you know, so on and so forth. So, uh, but when it comes to a guy like, like Chromiak, he's already got good size. So if he's sick, if he's his playing weight is six two one eighty five. I mean, and he's an offensive winger. That, that's perfect. I mean, that's what you want. He can match up against the big defenseman. He could take advantage of the smaller ones. Speaking of Quinn Hughes, you got to feel for the fans of the team who drafted sixth overall. I mean, that had that, that had to just be an absolute heartbreaker. Whoever that well, was. Well, listen. Uh, <laughs> There's no guarantee. Now, I know, obviously, I've followed Clint Hughes a ton, and I watched him play a ton. Uh, you know, got a chance to meet his family. They're wonderful people. They just, they get it. You know what I mean? And uh, mm -hmm. they're raising their kids the right way. And, uh, but that group in 2018 was so good that it was very hard to say on draft day, Man, what a mistake that was. Because if you look at the way it unfolded, yeah. all those kids picked were fan had fantastic draft seasons. There was no real red flags. Uh, it's at the point now where we're already talking whether or not Sveshnikov is better than Deline. When I tried to say that, people wanted to shoot me. Uh, and, but we, we've gotten <laughs> to that point where we've gotten to the point where Brady Kachuk, who people hated, like, no, nah, I don't want him. He's not producing in college. Blah, blah, blah. And now <laughs> he's a fantastic prospect. So – you got to let this all play out. You got to let it all play out. Did we see Miko Rantanen as a 85, 90 point player in 2015 or 2016? Absolutely not. No one saw that. I had him in my top 10. He played really well against the, the adults in the SM Liga uh, in, uh, when he played for TPS. But none of us could have seen him becoming a 90, 95 point player, whatever the heck he became playing with McKinnon. So um, if you said to me in 2016, well, who would you rather have, Mitch Marner or, uh, you know, Rantanen, or maybe even 2017? I would have said, oh, Mitch Marner, of course. But uh, now uh, how many GMs are trading Miko Rantanen straight up for Mitch Marner? I don't think many are. Uh, so uh, got, got to let it play out. I understand that Zadina uh, was <laughs> considered to be a little bit of a gift because he fell out of the top three or four that we expected him to go. And um, I don't know. He's looked great to me. He looked great in the AHL. He looked great. When he, uh, when he got called up by the Red Wings, and he's yeah. looking pretty good right now in the Czech Republic. So uh, I'd hold off on on spiking the football just yet. Uh, you know, you know I, I, I just had to get it out there. I'm actually one of the big defenders of the Zadina pick. Uh, I talk about it at least three, four times a week on this podcast. I'm like, all right, everybody yeah. chill. Well, you know, Great hindsight chill. is 20-20. Yeah. And, and I, what, you know, I, I've learned to kind of tone it down a little bit where I would poke fun at a team for passing on a guy. But the more that I do this, I realize, like, you have to look at it within the context of their draft resumes, right? Mm -hmm. And, and it, was it like, okay, if, if the Red Wings took Noah Dobson at six ahead of Quinn Hughes, then I would say, all right, like, Dobson's good, but that's a little bit of a reach. It's like mm -hmm. what the Rangers did with Leas Anderson at seven and the, the Red Wings followed it right up with taking Mike Rasmussen yeah. where you left 
the really skilled guys uh, on the board at that point. One Middlestat was one of them, but uh, Nachas and and Velarde and Brandstrom and uh, I think Suzuki uh, was still available. Uh, so, but at the time, it, it all uh, it kind of made sense. Uh, I would definitely say that if, if you're a Red Wings fan, uh, you just accept the fact that Quinn Hughes became what he became. It's out of your control. There's nothing you can do about it. He's not going to come to the Red Wings. If he does, it's going to be when he's about 30-something years old. So just be happy with Zadina. Be happy with Mort Sider. Uh, so far, so good. It's not like these kids have hit a rut in their development. They're actually trending in the right direction. All right, it's draft day. we got to get back to Martin Kromiak. What's the one reason, if you're Steve Eisman, that you draft him? And what's the one reason that you pass on Martin Kromiak? Uh, I draft him because of his vision and his IQ. He, he's, a, he's the kind of kid that makes those around him better. He's a low-maintenance kind of a guy. Uh, if you put him on a, on a third line, they're playing him only 14 minutes a game, he'll probably find a way to create three or four scoring chances uh, in that match. Uh, if I stay away from him, uh, it could be that uh, maybe uh, he could be a little bit too uh, one-dimensional on the offensive side of things. I, like I said, he kills penalties, but – uh, maybe learning a little bit more how to be uh, tougher in the corners and uh, becoming, a, I guess, more well-rounded 200-foot player. It, it's really nitpicking. Uh, but I think if a Chromiak is there, and what are we looking at? The, the Red Wings got 32, 51, 58 or 59, yeah, 63, like and 65. I mean, that's uh, six picks in the top 65. Uh, if you – if you got Chromiak around in that, uh, you, you got to grab him. I mean, I know I got him ranked in the 70s, but uh, to me it was more uh, – listen, I tend to watch a lot of Russian hockey, and I, I, I tend to favor a lot of Russian kids, whereas we all know there's a Russian factor in the NHL. And then out so, Yeah, I was going to say, that's okay. Sort of wait, we're Red Wings fans. Yeah, 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 yeah. So <laughs> I think my, my rankings are not your typical echo chamber like you see with most people because – I put a premium on the Russian kids. I'm like, I don't care if, if they have no intention to come to America. Uh, the kid yeah. is, is a great prospect. It's just a matter of that team having a good salesman to get them over. 